Every time I see Spike Lee's 1997 film, Four Little Girls, I'm actually astonished at his capacities as a documentary filmmaker. He is as skilled as a documentary filmmaker as he is as a writer director of any of his independent films or broader release films, whether it's Malcolm X or School Days or Chirac or Black Klansman. I don't think any of his fiction film pieces surpass the artistry and vision and really uh, ethics and politics of his documentary film work. For Little Girls in that way, to me, to my mind, is an enormous achievement. And in the second piece, part of what I want to talk about in terms of its achievement are a couple of scenes, a decision he makes, and the final uh, credits, which are laid over a home movie. And I want to talk about these these elements of the film because they are extensions of or even just simply examples of what I said at the conclusion of the previous piece on Four Little Girls, which is that Lee is crafting as an editor the knowledge and transmission of affect that is already inside witness and that there is no need for a secondary or tertiary intervention to make sense of what we hear in the testimony, to make sense of what we hear in the witness and witnessing, because in the witnessing we have all the knowledge that we need. And I like that about Four Little Girls. It's also true of When the Levees Broke, but I like that so much about Spike Lee's technique as a filmmaker, his practice as a documentary filmmaker, because I think it's effective, right? And I think it's ethical in ways that film about memory ought to be ethical, that is, attentive to testimony, attentive to witness, and centered on that testimony and witness and not explaining it away. But I also really love this aspect of Spike Lee's filmmaking because I think it puts into documentary film practice what he has as a commitment as a person and as an artist, which is a commitment to the humanity of black people and to the complexity of black life, that you don't need people to speak for black people. You don't need other people to speak for common black folks and their memories and their ideas and what they have to say about the world, it's already there. But the filmmaker, and the filmmaker of course has a hand in this. That is, it's not just simply raw footage, it's edited. But that, that commitment to the humanity of the witnesses, the humanity of black people broadly here practiced in terms of particular people is necessary to really make the dignity and integrity of this moment and its memory work on the screen. In that way, Spike Lee has done something really remarkable and I think exemplary for you know most uh, anything that we would do in terms of representing uh, black history and black memory in documentary filmmaking. I don't think you can really surpass it in terms of its excellence. It tells an important story and it tells it in a way that honors the, the humanity of the survivors and witnesses, and the family and the friends and the parents of the four little girls who were murdered. There are a couple of scenes that I think are really 
uh, moving to me. And so in some ways, what in, in mentioning them, I, I don't have a, a large task <laughs> in mind by mentioning them, but just simply what, uh, you know, their inclusion to me is so important. There is one that's, and these are towards the end of the film, around, um, I think it's around the 132, 133 mark in the film. And it's a moment where uh, Denise McNair's uh, father is showing us a photograph of Denise uh, holding a doll. And it's this really beautiful, yes, it's at the 133 mark. And it's this really beautiful photograph and it's it's framed and you know it, it he's holding it as if it were a sort of professional you know bit of work of art and then what we come to learn in his retelling was that denise was sitting in the in her bed and she had her doll and she was like you know dad dad i want you to take a picture of me and he takes a picture with a toy camera and it's overexposed and, uh, you know, he talks about how he's unhappy with, you know, just the lighting and just, but the, you know, she was saying, take a picture of me, take a picture of me. So he took it. But then you look at the way he tells the story of what the, what the conditions of taking the photograph were, and then how the photograph actually turns out and what it looks like. And they don't match up, Right. Because what we're looking at when we're looking at the screen and listening to Ron McNair tell this story, we're looking at something that's this beautiful and refined and and um, crafted. And I hate to keep using that word, but I think craft is such an important word. It's really crafted photograph. And so that's we know then that he had taken something that was of you know low quality because of the lighting and the the, the technology of, of the actual camera itself but then spent all of this time taking what was overexposed and turning it in to a composed and balanced and really beautiful photograph it's incredibly um, charismatic when you see the photograph you get a sense of the movement and exuberance and joy of children in general, but of of Denise McNair in particular, and I, it's just it's beautiful that way. It's like he took this magical photograph that, despite it being a fixed image, has so much movement and ecstasy in it. And knowing that he had spent all of that time refining it so that we could see that movement and that beauty is its own kind of important testimony about love and memory and what it means to try to keep memory alive. But it's also about what the film is. It's about this moment that's overexposed, that's so bright and overwhelming and terrifying that we can't actually see what we need to see, but that the witnesses that make the film work are doing the work that Ron McNair did on this negative as he, you know, and, and, and the development of the film to, to produce this, uh, the physical film to produce this photograph of Denise McNair, that what he has done with this photograph 
is what the witnesses are doing to this historical moment. They are drawing out something that is impossible to see in the moment, or maybe even impossible to see at times as we are, or we are thinking about the event. We're thinking about the atrocity of murdering children, right, in, in a spasm of anti-black uh, racist rage. Just as we can't process that, as we can't see it clearly, right, the film's witnesses are doing that refining work. They're doing that developed work that Ron McNair did with film and negative. They're doing it for us in relation to the memory of four little girls. And it's a really profound scene. I absolutely love it. It just, it has a sense of tenderness and love that communicates the intimacy of memory to Ron McNair, the intimacy of that loss to him in his life. But it also, again, gives us a window into exactly what the film is doing in terms of making sense of something that's not visible in its first phases as we try to come to terms with it. But the witnesses have come to terms with it. They've come to terms with loss. They're able to show us in portrait mode. They're able to show us exactly what happened and what it means. The second scene is really the, the final scene and the only time that um, Spike Lee lets his voice be heard in the film. And he's talking with uh, Alpha, Roberts, or Alpha Robertson, who's Carol Robertson's um, mother. And Alpha is remembering her daughter's passing. And she gives, if there's a reason why the film closes with it, she gives this incredible testimony, this incredible witness to the event and to its aftermath. And it, a whole film could be made around this moment. And maybe in some ways the film is made around this moment where she's recounting it and Spike Lee interrupts her. And he says, you know, do you, do you ever feel angry? And she starts to, to answer and she's like kind of teases him a little bit about, you know, you have so many questions or that's a tough question. I think she said that's a really hard question. And Lee says, oh, I'm not trying to, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be Mike Wallace, right? Referring to 60 Minutes investigative reporter, you know, a TV reporter personality. And she leans forward and says, or Ed Bradley. And there's something that I love about that. It just brings a tear to my eye every time because in the midst of this really troubling and difficult testimony that she's giving and feels compelled to give and wants to give, she actually pulls back and sort of pulls a, a, a race moment or joke for Spike Lee, the kind of joke you could imagine Spike Lee making with another person which is why would you reference the white person? Why wouldn't you reference the black person on 60 Minutes? It's, it's, and it's done with humor and a smile that's, uh, uh, that's biting and knowing and absolutely playful. But then she starts to talk about the anger and the way this anger just comes in ways that she can't expect. She doesn't see it coming. That there's something unmanageable about her grief that what for McNair in his, his talking through this photograph, 
was really just this stone that sort of sat in his soul, right? This immovable pain and this sort of weight that he communicates to us through this description of the photograph, its conditions, and remembering that moment. It's this stone weight of grief. But Alpha Robertson's moment, when she talks about anger, is this volcanic sense, this eruptive sense of grief, that it percolates and is in this sort of mode of constantly threatening to overflow any contempt, any attempt to contain it. Because she's sitting, she says, you know, sometimes it just comes out of me. Just when I think, you know, that, that I've moved on or that, that, that we've come to terms with all of this and it erupts. It just overflows. And the way that she describes that overflowing starts to overflow in her. She's such an amazing presence on the screen. You forget, you have to listen closely even to hear how much her voice wavers. It's a very um, soft voice that gives out very easily. But her presence on the screen is so powerful that you um, almost don't hear the, the, the actual audio of her voice. Right, that her the voice of her voice, what it's saying and how it's saying it, is so overwhelming. And then she shifts as it starts to as grief starts to erupt, and she says this amazing thing. She says, "You know, this is the transition out of the film. Right, this is how it ends." Where she's like, "You know, I've lived a full life. She says, my husband's gone. You know, she's buried siblings." She also has two other children. And then she says, you have three grandchildren. And then I think it's five great-grandchildren. When she says five great-grandchildren, her posture changes. And her eyes, which have been glistening with tears through this whole testimony, they just light up as if another person came to inhabit her body, as she said, five great-grandchildren. And she says, you know, I have something to be thankful for. And that sense of that thankful for that long life. Thankful for the losses her husband, she mentions. And, you know, it's clear when she says, you know, I have something to be thankful for. Not thankful for that loss, but thankful for having lived with these people. You know, siblings, parents, husband, long enough for one to be thankful for that time is set alongside this moment where she has also given this testimony and witness to the loss of her baby who was just a little girl and with whom she did not have that long life but that life goes on and that simultaneity of life going on and continuing to have meaning at the very moment that there's this pit, this crater, this stone, this, this eruptive force of grief in the middle of life, really for me draws together all of the elements of memory in the film. That life goes on, but this grief stays. And I think in Alpha Robertson's case, we are also compelled to ask, or Spike Lee's trying to compel us to ask, you know, where does that grief 
live for us as a society that these four little girls were murdered in defense of state policy, in defense of segregation. What does it mean that we had that grief, you know, and can we identify it as something we carry with us? Because life goes on, but grief stays with us like a stone, like an eruptive force. There, in that way, I think the film ends with the question, right? It ends with this amazing moment with Alpha Robertson. You know, the really, like, I, I think the, the, the soul of the film in so many ways is her, and it ends with her for that reason. But it also opens us to these broader questions of, you know, where does grief, the grief of four little girls murdered in a church bombing live with us in our society? Live with us in terms of our historical and political memory? And I think the question, the answer to that question is actually quite bleak, that we've made a habit, if not an imperative, of forgetting. Lee doesn't say that, but he lets it hang in ways that I think are really important, right? He lets that question sit with us. And it sits with me, and when I teach it, I want it to sit with my students. We don't carry that grief of the past with us into our political memory, but what would it mean if we did? There's another uh, pairings, uh, a pair of, 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 of moments in the film that I want to mention and put together. One is the closing credits, which plays behind it a home movie, a little boy and little girl, uh, they're dressed up in church outfits, the little girl's playing and silly and clearly loves being in her dress and the little boy's uncomfortable in his tie and sort of fussing but playing, being playful and as well himself. And it's this, this incredibly um, light and beautiful portrait of children that closes the film. A song plays over it, the credits play over it. But I think we're drawn in as viewers to the eyes of these children. And they have that thing that Spike Lee loves so much about children in his, in his, across his cinema, which is their, their mischievousness, their playfulness, their, their tendency towards chaos, right? Even when it's controlled, it sort of percolates there. But that's paired with what the, the last bit of the film does. And it is, to me, a shocking move, which is that he shows autopsy photos of the four little girls when they're from the, the, from the coroner's office. So they've been, you know, they've been murdered, and here are their bodies at the morgue. In doing that, Spike Lee takes on, I think, one of the most pressing questions we have in the 21st century, uh, those of us who, who want to remain both ethical and race critical at the same time. And that's around this question, and it comes up every time there's a high-profile police murder of a black person, which is, seems uh, so regular as to be you know, one of the few constants in our world. And when those videos come out, there's invariably a debate or even just proclamations by people, uh, by you know, many people, you know, quit sharing these images. 
right? Don't share the images of dead black bodies. This is exactly how, um, you know, this, you know, it doesn't change the conscience of white people. It doesn't change the conscience of the nation. What it does instead is simply, you know, display and offer for voyeuristic consumption the, you know, the, the suffering and death of black people, something we know and now are watching and seeing again. But Spike Lee takes that chance in Four Little Girls and puts these bodies on the screen. And what does it mean when he puts them on the screen? I think it's important to note, and this is a, a not a debate, but a discussion, critical discussion I try to have in class when I teach it. You know, what, it, what do you think about him sharing these images? And one of the things I think is important in structuring that conversation, and so it'll just be the remark that I have here, is that Spike Lee puts those photographs at the very end of the film. And he puts, it, puts them at the end of the film because if they came at the beginning of the film, they could be seen as simply a shock value as being used to sort of jolt us and scare us or even draw us into a kind of voyeuristic something or other. What that something or other is depends on, I think, the demographics of the viewer, um, the political consciousness of the viewer, and all sorts of other things. But if you put them where they are in the film, which is at the end, what we have is then this incredible work of juxtaposition where Lee is able to juxtapose the corpses, you know, wounded, dismembered corpses of children, put them in relation to testimonies to their beauty, to their sweetness, to their innocence, to their playfulness, so that we see the atrocity for what it is. That on the one hand, we can say it's enough just to know four little girls were murdered by white supremacists in defense of state policy in Birmingham, Alabama on 16th Street in 1963. You can just say that is enough, right, to tell us of the atrocity. A child was murdered. Four children were murdered. That's atrocity enough. But what we have in the, the context of the film is the statement of that development of the living memory of four little girls of all four of how they're carried as stones and eruptive forces of grief among family and friends and community and then for all of that beauty and meaning that's been uplifted we see what it actually means to set off a bomb with four little girls near it and what it is is gruesome Spike Lee moves very quickly in and out of the images he doesn't draw in a sustained gaze by obviously intentionally right but he lets us see it enough so that it stays with us so that it haunts us and it haunts us because it's the material dimension of the memory that's both political and affective. It's an affective memory because we feel what it is for those girls to have been lost. That's what all the witnesses give us. 
we also understand the social significance of that loss, right, in terms of the category of child, in terms of the categories of anti-black racism and its violences. And now we have, along with those, what we could think of as like thoughtful conceptions of memory. We have the memory of the materiality of what a bomb does. And I think in that way, and I really borrow this from so many student comments, in that way, we have a full picture of what Four Little Girls means, the title of the film, what it means to talk about the death of four little girls, that it is an act where you can't just say it was a bombing and that somehow is an abstract way of killing, right? It's not just an abstract act. We now see what it does to bodies. And as difficult as it is to see that, I think it's important for us to understand what happens to bodies so that a bombing, the 16th Street bombing, can never be a euphemism. It can never be a figure of speech. Because Spike Lee has shown us, after crafting all the memory, all the beauty, all the sweetness, all the intimacy of the lives of those girls to themselves, to each other, and to the family and community in a broader sense, for all of that craft, right, we're then able to see the atrocity in this dimension without voyeurism. And in fact, I feel like it's the opposite of voyeurism. We don't want to look and Spike Lee make sure that we have to. In that sense of looking when we don't want to, looking because we have to, I don't want to, but I must, is a moment where I think Spike Lee is able to craft an ethical representation of death in the body. And that's incredibly difficult. I so rarely think that. I so rarely think that this is an ethical crafting of death in the body, because death in the body is something that invites exploitive voyeuristic gazes. And Lee, I think, and this is really, for me, the philosophical accomplishment of the, of the documentary Four Little Girls, the philosophical accomplishment is the ability to show us what we need to see and make it matter, but never ever invite us or even allow for voyeurism or consumption right that we must look we don't want to look yet we must look even though we don't want to look that back and forth of feelings and the visuality the way visual culture works in those moments is so profound and i think deepens a sense of memory but then it ends with this home footage home video footage and I love that it does that because I think what it does is, you know, having made us look at the lives of the people who survived the loss of these little girls, having seen what the little girls' lives were and what it meant for them to come to an end, and then seeing the corpses. Spike Lee wants to make sure as we close the film, as we exit the theater, the couch, the classroom, that we see that these were children and they're children in the ways that children are beautiful and compelling and wonderful. And he shows them in their simplicity there. They're just in a pretty dress and a tie. They look uncomfortable and mischievous, funny, a, a little bit annoying, pests. 
in exactly what you want around so that that loss is understood to be a loss of that, that that was a part of the world and no longer is, but also to make sure that we don't reduce the loss, we don't reduce the death of four little girls to the corpses or to white supremacy, but also remember that they too, you know, like Alpha Robertson says about her own life, right? She lived a life, they lived a life. And here, as we exit the film, we see that life of a boy and a girl but in that boy and girl we see the lives of four little girls and so we remember not only the loss we remember not only the corpse but we remember the fact that they lived as children <laughs>